lot of us kind of have trauma from that point uh, or that time period. And um, but it also gave me time to yeah reframe my life in a way where I was thinking about what I wanted and yeah I, I guess like yeah it 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 was definitely yeah I guess I, yeah I was going through it and then I was like man the pandemic's happening and then I was like well I, this is all I have right now I just have to write so it was kind of a blessing and a curse because I was like really stuck with it I was like I have to do this there's nothing else when you first said going through it I I assumed that you meant like go, like going through the record or going through the tracks but but right but then you know you said it again and it took it took on a very a very different context of you know just sort of like i guess broadly dealing with shit yeah yeah for sure yeah i that that's definitely what happened i was kind of it was at the tail end of 2019 i kind of went through a serious kind of shift in my personal life with my relationships and specifically with someone um and yeah and then during the pandemic i was like i'm just going to take some time off figure out my shit and then come back. And then the pandemic happened. And then I was like, I'm forced to figure out all of this stuff. And also it's, it has changed a lot of my friendships and my relationships in my life. It's just, I think for all of us, just even how we kind of re-entered those spaces, it's taken some time for us to sort of, yeah, it's taken us some time to sort of just like, I guess, yeah, get, get into it and get back into the groove of being a human being and being social. Shift in my personal life is an interesting way of putting it because it sounds like it sounds like it wasn't just one relationship. Maybe, maybe there was one relationship kind of at the core of things, but it sounds like uh, everything was in the process of shifting. Yeah, totally. Everything was in the process of shifting. Uh, yeah, I kind of yeah. It, it took me a, a while. I was sort of i I think it was at I was in my late early. I was in my early 20s and then the pandemic kind of ate up my mid 20s and now I'm at I'm now in my late 20s. So it's all these different eras of my life, very pivotal moments of my life and I just kind of have been thinking about how that shifted. I guess now I think I'm definitely yeah such a different person than who I was when I started writing the record for sure. And I think a lot of people feel that way too, when they start writing. I mean, I suspect a lot of this is for obvious reasons on the record itself, but um, are, are you comfortable discussing what those, what those changes were in your life around 2019? Yeah, totally. I guess I kind of, I was like in a really intense codependent friendship and I just thought it was not even a relationship. Yeah, totally. It was a really uh, intense friendship. And I think sometimes, especially music, I feel like there's so many songs about, you know, breakups and love. And it's so a lot of music is romantic based. And I think for me, there wasn't really a space that was created or music that was, you know, that I felt that I could interpretate or take into a friendship sort of realm. And I think this record, I really wanted to delve into that. And then also, I guess, play with like, what is romance and what platonicity looks like and how they kind of bleed into each other and stuff like that. And yeah, I was in this really intense friendship and I I had to like sort of exit out. And then I kind of spent the entire time during the pandemic sort of reevaluating my wants and I guess in my, my needs and also just taking time to reevaluate, I guess my behavior and how I 
sort of entered all of my close friendships and stuff like that and how they kind of and how that also kind of caused me a lot of grief in a way that I wasn't really you know being uh I wasn't really kind of I wasn't respecting my needs I guess kind of I'm a huge people pleaser but now I'm kind of learning how to let go and try to yeah that is a hard thing I yeah I I, I understand that and it, but it sounds like it almost sounds like you, I mean you had to break up with your friend basically yeah totally uh and like I think everyone kind of says it sometimes friend breakups are a little bit more harder than romantic breakups because there's so much time and so much more I feel like for me at least a lot more intimacy that you connect with with this person and there's no weird power dynamic I don't know I feel like sometimes in relationships there's a lot of or like romantic relationships there's a lot of power dynamics that kind of come to play but with this with friendships it's just I enjoy your company and I just there are definitely power dynamics and friendships mm, okay yeah right I mean uh, you know they're, I mean, they're, they're they're of a different nature than relationships but sometimes they're they're not actually they're not actually that different I mean, it's just the nature yeah. of having like two different people in a space together. There's going to be some kind of inherent power dynamic. Totally, totally. Maybe, maybe I should rephrase that. Maybe I meant more like, hmm, I don't know. I think maybe the way I sort of have in the past entered a lot of my past romantic relationships, I felt like there was power play. But I feel like with my friendships, there's never, or I try to not have that happen. But yeah, maybe there could be. Now I got to reevaluate that too. <laughs> but you know, I, th- I think what you're getting at is that there's almost like it, th- that you're entering a, a romantic relationship with a like a, a predetermined notion of what the roles are going to be, and and that and yeah. that predetermined notion doesn't exist. Obviously, things evolve over time, but but we we generally don't think of friendships in that way. Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, I think there isn't. Maybe with romantic relationships, there's a lot of uh, different expectations that aren't necessarily always there in friendships. Um, I mean, a lot, they're very, they, they both are really similar and like they both acquire the same level, I feel like, intimacy. But I think sometimes friendship requires, well, yeah, I guess they're both, they're very, yeah, they kind of mirror each other essentially. And, um, but for me, I guess in my life, my friendships have always taken sort of the king position and sort of um, have been so impo- have always been so important to me. So, yeah, when this friendship had ended, um, I just kept thinking about where like I think I kept thinking about how I wanted to tell this person that I was wanting to move into a different space or wanting to maybe have our friendship evolve and knowing that sometimes you just got to accept that people are people for you just accept the person as they are. And, you know, you can't make someone change and all of that. And again, I was in a a different headspace. I was much younger, so it was harder for me to sort of grasp that. But I think a lot of it was like maybe also projecting because I'm someone who can, be like yeah yeah totally i i if that's what you want for me i'm gonna be that person i'm gonna be that person but you're an enabler <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah definitely i get that and and 
I, I think, you know, an, an unfortunate side effect of being a, a people pleaser is that we can allow ourselves to allow others to give into their worst impulses. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've, I don't know, part of me also used to think about the idea of not trying to be so like, because uh, I, I feel like I, I was always just there for the ride. And then realizing that I'm also part of the ride and like, it's not like supposed to happen at me. Like I'm supposed to be there with them, you know? Uh, so that, that took a moment for me to sort of digest and be like, oh yeah, life's not like happening at me. It's happening from me. And like, I got to control and stuff it, and I got to be in the driver's seat and not in the passenger seat. Yeah. The, the, this idea of, of it being a ride is almost like, and I don't know if this is the case, but it's almost like you're self-selecting. You're, you're selecting friends with very intense relation or very intense personalities. Um, you know, uh, like the, this idea of, of being along for the ride is, 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 I mean, that, that, that is a power play, right? That is, that is sort of allowing them to, to kind of dominate or to determine the direction that the friendship goes in. Yeah, for sure. I guess. Yeah. I feel like I'm having a therapy session right now, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, I guess so. That's true. I mean, that's definitely a way to, to look at it. I think like, um, of course I was kind of, pre I was trying my best to be present, but I think I kind of, because I was younger, I was just trying to soak up all these new experiences and trying to gain perspective and all of that about just life and people and all of that stuff. But I wasn't really spitting anything back out in a way that I like tried to frame it and like make it my own. I was just, I felt like I was taking everything in, soaking it up, but I wasn't like, yeah, squeezing anything out essentially. And now I'm learning how to squeeze everything out and be like, this works for me. <laughs> what does it mean to you to be present? I don't know. I guess it's like, I guess it's kind of like maybe having a response that isn't necessarily um, a response where I have to feel like I have to um, have like a positive impact. Like I can just say how I feel and it could be neutral. Like I think a lot of times when you're, when you're a people pleaser, you're always like, trying to be as agreeable as possible or kind of be as um sort of yeah just likable and that really kind of doesn't allow you to be human and i think i kind of denied myself that for a while and uh yeah and and also just like not being small i think that friendship um, i learned that like i really did make myself small and i think I don't know, maybe there, I think a lot of people or maybe it's just for me, but there's always that one person that, and it could be romantic or friend or, or platonic and it, they just really change your life in a way that they teach you that, you know, this is not what you want. And this is definitely not what you're going to uh, try to um, bring back into your life, essentially. I like the idea of, of allowing yourself to, I don't know if this is your exact wording, but allowing yourself to be unpleasant. You know, like yeah. giving yourself the, the ability to to do that. Because like, obviously, like we don't, we don't want to be unpleasant, right? I mean, I, I mean, one, on a very base level, we want people to like us, but like, we don't want to feel like we're making people's li lives, you know, markedly worse. 
Yeah, absolutely. And maybe maybe not only unpleasant or not unpleasant, but more just like, yeah, saying like I used to have such a hard time to even like I would it, it's crazy. Like some some of my friends who I who've known me for a long time will say things like, you know, it's so funny because now you're you'll tell me the truth that you really didn't like that restaurant because because I would be the person who'd be like that. That was fine. You're not talking like major life things. You're talking about like really minor things. Just totally. ability to say like, "Hey, that wasn't. I wasn't into that. I wasn't into that yeah. restaurant." Yeah, I'm. I I would definitely be like, no, no, no. Like that was fine. Like it wasn't like incredible, but it was great. Like it, it you know, the yeah, like the eggplant parm wasn't like my favorite thing on the menu, but I'd I'd, I'd have it again, kind of thing. Uh, but like it it took some time, and I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes back to I guess. Yeah, just childhood stuff and uh, just my place in the world, I feel like. Yeah, so I think it's it's nice. And I guess this record, I don't know. I wanted to maybe not even talk about finding a resolution. I think that was kind of, I just kind of wanted to spill, I guess, kind of. I'm a little bit older than you. And, and you know, I think like having lived for as long as I have, that it that, that there, aren't, there, re- there aren't really resolutions in life. It doesn't, it, you know, there aren't, you know, I, like, I know, you know, you've got the, uh, the Greta Gerwig poster behind you. <laughs> like, I, I, I know you're, you know, I know you're a big movie buff and, and I know that a lot of that sort of played a role in the creation of this record. But, but I do think that there's a very obvious way in which, um, people talk about movies and TV creating unrealistic expectations. Obviously like things are heightened. Everybody's, you know, everybody's beautiful, but I, but I think that there's something even beyond that, which is the, the three act structure or the act breaks or, or the commercial breaks or, you know, the, the notion that like, that life exists in chapters, but it, it, it doesn't, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. one, it's one nonstop movie and, and, you know, until it's, until it's through. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. And it's also like simultaneously happening all at once at the same time. And I also think like, yeah, there's no gray parts in film, which I think we always kind of generally live in the gray in a way like the mundanity is the gray of our of like our lives and the gray can be kind of great. Um, Yeah, it's it's weird. I I think I grew up loving film because in tv because escapism like we always do in art and everything but i think also it's an it was a way for me to realize um that i don't know i think it was a way for yeah for me to realize you can tell a story in any way that you want or you could even warp your own story like your own personal story which i i find kind of interesting too in a way because you can yeah yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, you mentioned escapism and, and you kind of briefly alluded to your childhood. Um, mm-hmm. Your parents were not very into letting you listen to secular music. Is that right? Yeah. I, uh, well, okay. Here, the thing is, I grew up, yeah, uh, in a Muslim household. So it, it was kind of like if the music was playing for instance like i i started listening to pop music like i heard it on the radio here and there when i was a kid from through like my cousins and stuff like that but through osmosis um, yeah through osmosis uh and uh and then uh, i would i think around sixth grade is when i really like like i got a tv in my room and i was like okay cool like i can have the close the door closed and now i can like put on much music which is basically like mtv canada yeah <laughs> and uh 
we would have a bunch of like I, I know Nardwar. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got oh nice Nardwar. Cool. Shout out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I would watch like their yeah the top top forty artists and stuff, and I was like really stoked. Um, but yeah, it it was like kind of like if it was on, it wasn't like completely like like my mom or like my family wouldn't bash it, but like it wasn't necessarily encouraged. I guess that's probably the word that's different you know it's it's that thing of sort of like attempting to read about somebody's life and like a very like truncated bio and i and and i had had the impression that they were just like just absolutely no like you absolutely cannot listen because you know like and, and i don't know you know I, I don't know if this translates exactly uh to islam but like you know like obviously like there's that sort of classic trope and and you definitely know this through watching movies but that that classic trope of like this is the devil's music like yeah keep it out of our house totally yeah absolutely it's it's really funny because i have a couple of friends who also grew up like religious and we talk about we kind of like talk about our religious traumas together but they're like christian so like they'll talk about yeah not being able to grow up or, or like not being able to listen to like secular music as well and just like listening to christian artists so it's such an interesting parallel and uh it's it, for me yeah like it is it was kind of like not only like the devil's music but like you shouldn't be doing that like it kind of was it was so closely related to or it was kind of for me at least it was like so closely related to morality it was kind of like listen to music equals bad person so it took a little bit for me to like unlearn for sure um but i think we there was also like muslim music in a sense that like there was at the time for me or i, I don't know if he still does it but cat stevens who is uh yeah. yusuf, islam, yusuf yeah, islam yeah yeah he was doing like muslim music and i think yeah he that was sort of my introduction i think he kind of swung back to the pop stuff yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he kind of like re-released Tiva Tillerman too, which was cool. Or like it got remastered for the second time, maybe or first time. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, that that he was kind of like the intro to like I guess music for me in a way. That was kind of like one of my earliest memories. Um, and then also after getting older or like in my teens, I sort of rediscovered just his older stuff, and I was just kind of like, yeah, this this guy rocks, <laughs> you know, he like he does and he doesn't. Right. Cause like, it, it's also like a very, it's a very gentle on ramp to that. Yeah, world yeah, of yeah. music. Absolutely. Yeah. He's kind of just like a sleepy time tea kind of guy, which is like really cool. I really like the vibe. It sounds like you were kind of alluding to like overall trauma. Uh, when, I guess when you sort of like think back on growing up in a religious household, do you feel that that was largely a traumatic experience? I think it was like kind of cool, not kind of cool. I guess it was kind of, uh, I think when you think back at it, you're kind of like, as a kid, you're like, oh, this is cool because it's like community and everyone around me is doing the same thing and you don't think it's weird. It's kind of normal. You know, I, I grew up Jewish. Like there are definitely yeah. benefits to to like not only community, but also like just this, like a sense of like history and a sense of identity that you have tied to it. Totally, exactly, and uh, yeah, and, and and the community I grew up in it, w- it was super tight knit, so that felt like kind of nice. It felt like family, um, but yeah, I think as you get older and you just yeah, I, I, I and moving around and just like doing different things and going to school, I just kind of realized that wasn't normal. Like there was a lot of things that I 
had learned that I was like, that's not cool and not normal. Um, but again, it kind of also put a lot of, it put me into perspective about how I kind of, about my own spiritual beliefs and my own belief in, in faith and specifically to God and stuff. Um, but yeah, like, I guess the trauma side, it just kind of, like every kind of thing you go through, it's like a weird day where you're like at the grocery store and you are kind of just grabbing tofu and then you're like, oh wait, shit, why did that memory pop up in my head? That was weird. Why did that happen? And then you're like standing in the aisle for like a second and then someone's behind you trying to grab something and you're like, oh shit, sorry. Um, but it, yeah, it, it feels kind of like that with um, religious trauma. Um, but I guess most of it wasn't too bad i want to say for sure i think i've I learned a lot about just uh how to be forgiving at least that's what i i want to say i took away from most of it do you feel like that th- that idea of forgiveness was something that was was something your parents had with regards to you and you you sort of uh, uh working toward living this life outside of that specific faith yeah, I guess so. I don't I mean, it's 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 interesting because it's so like like my parents uh they're from Somalia and um my grandfather owned a radio station which was kind of cool and he had a lot of local Somalian artists play. So they kind of like grew up with music as well, but it's I think it's such a different for them musically the topics were so different and it was never sexual or any of that. So I think for them, they kind of stayed in a secular or not stayed in sort of a, uh, religious friendly realm, I guess. But, um, yeah, I guess there is forgiveness for sure. I think for me, um, I think what I took away from forgiveness for sure a lot was when I was writing this record, just thinking about how, hard it was for me to let go of feeling like I kind of put myself in that in that situation and why hadn't I left earlier and like I think a lot of the spirals one goes through when yeah super guilt guilty and also yeah just shaming myself and I had to really learn how to forgive myself essentially it's not guilt over leaving it's guilt over staying in too long yeah i at first it was for sure at first i thought it was yeah guilt for leaving yeah and then i had to then i was like wait it, it is staying too long yeah it was feeling like i was cheating them because i wasn't fully present and i wasn't being 100% myself and i was feeling like i was at a job rather than you know building an honest experience with someone (laughs) kind of thing. That might be as close as we get to resolution in life is sort of being able to forgive ourselves. And certainly, you know, I I don't think everything, I don't think everything and everyone necessarily warrant forgiveness, but, um, but I also think that I think about this a lot with regard to, to my own parents. And I think about how, how young they were when they had me and my sister. And as I've sort of progressed through some of those life stages, I've realized, you know, where I was mentally at that state. And I, and, and I think certainly in the case of of my own parents, I 
100% believe that they did their best, that they didn't always make the right decision, but like given the information that they had and the place they were in, that they, that they did the best they, they could and they made what they believed at the time were right decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it because I, I, I learned those, that exact like sort of phrase from, or that sort of mindset from uh, in therapy where it was kind of, yeah, just being really frustrated with just how I was feeling and just, yeah, my, my, my childhood and all of this stuff and realizing you're, you just are given these tools and you have to just use them to your ability essentially. And like my parents, yeah, just kind of had those tools and yeah, like used them to the best of their ability. Like they came to this country uh, young and, you know, they were fleeing a war. So, you know, it's, it's so new to them and, and, and just trying to like, yeah, just figure out life and also process a huge traumatic experience and then having kids whilst all of that's happening all together, it is, yeah, really crazy to sort of grow up, grow up in that kind of um, sort of uh, period of their life. And um, yeah, and I, I, I realized it was just kind of, um, and I think that brought me a lot of peace when you realize like, yeah, they were just doing the best they can. And then also framing it to your to myself and being like I'm just doing the best I can with what I have and with all the experiences that I've had up until now which yeah I think it is freeing and in a way yeah there and that could yeah be, that is the resolution again this is a great therapy section <laughs> you know not only the sort of the 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 very uh, you know as you said like the very clear and obvious trauma that they dealt with in their home country but also just the act of coming to another country where, you know, I don't know how well they, you know, spoke the language necessarily, but certainly, you know, I assume a place where they didn't really know a ton yeah. of people. I mean, I, like, I, you know I, know, I know that like there are like a lot of sort of Somali pockets, you know, I, I think I want to say like, um, I think Minneapolis here in the States has, has a really large Somali population. Totally. Il- Ilhan Omar is from there. Yes. Well, not from there, but, but, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but the, but if you're moving to, you know, if you're effectively moving to the other side of the world and an entirely different culture, I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense to carry your religion with you. Cause that is, you know, that, that is a built in community that you have, even if you don't know anybody. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a way to, yeah, just feel like they're, yeah, it's a piece of home that they carry with them for sure. So sometimes I, I think a lot of it when I started to grow up, while I was growing up, I started to realize that maybe it's not really technically connected to spirituality. It's just technically connected to culture and connection and human connection. And it, they both kind of, I mean, they were kind of like, yeah, weaving in and out of each other in a way that like my parents were kind of like, it is very strict but it's also kind of just like it's a way that i can they could navigate sort of this new country yeah essentially and a built-in set of rules too like a built you know totally. built-in set of like guidelines for your life i mean that i don't want to say it makes things easier but it makes it makes things clearer certainly yeah i think about that a lot too yeah because it feels very good to feel like you have a purpose or a path that you can feel like it's you know it's it's dead on and you don't have to sort of ponder on other things and have like an existential crisis every other day it, it feels <laughs> nice yeah and so it, yeah i mean it, it definitely has like again it, like everything it has its like ups and downs but yeah it, it, 
ultimately i think it's kind of interesting to just be like yeah like it's a bit for me at least it's it's, it it does sound freeing in a way because you don't have to feel like there's this huge weight on you because you already know in a way there's something really unmooring in the, I guess, the sort of like relativistic nature of life outside of religion, you know, of like, I sincerely believe that like most people just have a, you know, a moral compass and I don't think it requires, you know, religion to get you there, but totally, but things, you know, things do become more relativistic when you're outside of it, which is good yeah. from the standpoint of like, I mean, I think it's largely good, but it's good from the standpoint of, you know, that you are, um, you know, you're you're willing to consider other people's you know viewpoints in in ways that maybe you went before, and uh, you know get to know sort of like that what what they're carrying with them through the day and, and where they're coming from. But then, you know, yeah, no, there's no absolutely. clear moral center. Yeah, totally, and it's it's just really nice to know that all of it's kind of just rooted in love and connection in a way, and a and a and a general wanting of sort of. Um, like being a better person, I think. Like I think a lot of religion and a lot of spirituality is trying to connect yourself back to yourself. Like sort of being, uh, try yeah, being the best that you can be. But again, yeah, I guess like you said, there isn't really a moral. Mor- there's there's no moral connection. Like someone can be a moral person without yeah religion. Yeah, it, it's really yeah. I uh, I think I'm still on a journey of like how to figure out what spiritual or or what how i view my own faith and how i view because i am very connected to i think i'm still yeah because i am muslim and i and i think i just really want to reframe reconnect with it in a way that doesn't feel like the way that my parents have brought me up with it in a way <laughs> so it's it is kind of confusing i mentioned i was jewish and i you know and i grew up going to synagogue and i you know i got bar mitzvah and the whole thing but in 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 sort of in like reform Judaism, there's definitely this idea of being religiously Jewish or ethnically Jewish. I, like I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if you know you know the, you're sort of like familiar with that concept in in the context right. of Judaism. But um, mm-hmm. you know, for you, when you say you're you're, you're still Muslim, um, you know what, what I, I I guess what does that mean? And do you think that 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 you could and can could continue to be that um, and not necessarily believe all the same things. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it, for me, what it, uh, yeah, I'm still, I'd still, I think I'm still trying to figure it out. I think I definitely connect with Sufism because it's more spiritual. And I think there's just ideas that make me feel more comfortable and I feel more connected to. Um, I think like, it's interesting because yeah i think my parents way of or the way i was raised it was more rigid and more um i want to say uh kind of punishment based <laughs> but it, and i think a lot of strict religions and i want to maybe say maybe i'm not speaking for everyone for sure but like just from it just from what i've talked to about with my friends about just like abrahamic religions they can be very yeah like punishment based in a way and and that's where things get really because you know it's all it's it's like fear versus love in a way and uh i think i'm trying to take the love route now i think that's what i'm trying to do 
Yeah, and I yeah, I it's in, it's interesting though. Yeah, the the when you said about um, I guess with Judaism, um, because I guess it's brought uh, you you pass down Judaism from the mother. So if the child, yeah, but it's also just that like that. There's no. That there, there's no sort of like historic country in the same way that like, you know, there's this, there's right. this like this okay, idea yeah. of uh diaspora that's very tied to it. Right. And because of that, um, a lot of people draw their sort of ethnic identity through their religion. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There is that. And I, and for, and I still think that it's a very I don't know. I feel like it's a really beautiful thing when I can see someone be like, yeah, I am Muslim and stuff. And then I'm like, awesome. Like we, you know, like you can understand my upbringing, like, or like you just get things about like that, you know, like, like you understand certain things that like someone else wouldn't understand, which I'm, I'm sure that's how other people feel of like some um, other faiths as well. Like you, you just feel like an instant, like I know you kind of, but you know, to, to what extent again, but like, yeah feels pretty yeah like you don't like wear a hijab for example i did for a very long time actually and then i decided to i made the decision um when i was in my early late teens maybe or something early 20s maybe i i stopped because i just didn't feel like i was doing it for the right reasons and i just felt like yeah i wasn't as connected to it anymore and i just felt like i was definitely I felt like I, I, yeah, I, I, when I was wearing it, I was presenting as someone that wasn't upholding it to the highest standard, I guess, that it, uh, that it needs to be held up to. That's really interesting to me because it's a very, you know, usually, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> usually people moving away from a faith is, is, you know, like a very sort of symbolic thing or like a very like abstract thing, but, but you, mm-hmm. you for you, the experience had this like very physical aspect to it. And like, there, there's a big, the first day you're walking around without, you know, wearing a head covering in public. Like that's a, that's a big life change. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I like, I think a lot of it too was like, uh, when I was younger, I, I just felt like, yeah, it, it was, it, when I took it off, it was kind of just like, I already knew where I kind of stood and I, and I also had all like kind of come to terms with it towards uh, like the, uh, towards the end, I was kind of like really just not, yeah, feeling like it was me anymore. And I didn't really want to, yeah, just like let people know. And it's, it's also such a different experience for Muslim women because, you know, or Muslim people in general who, who wear the headscarf just because it's kind of one of those things that you're walking around like like physically showing people your faith and so there's a lot of you know i guess like there is some sort of a little bit of trauma maybe that comes with it, especially when you're living in a space that isn't very welcoming to that um and also just like your own ideas of your body and uh you know uh sort of your own ideas about chastity and stuff like that as well comes to play in and you kind of have to really think about what it means to you actually and what how your views are on chastity and sort of like 
modesty and stuff like that. You said women and then kind of corrected yourself to people, but it, but it obviously like it is a very traditionally gendered thing. And yeah. for, you, for you, like, and I don't know when this happened, but for you sort of realizing that you were non-binary, um, that that's, that's, that's complicated, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's super complicated. Yeah, it, it is complicated, but not to say that there are probably people right now who are non-binary or even trans who are also wearing the hijab as well. So they also exist as well. And they live a very um, uh, nuanced life, I think, too, as well. Um, and uh, I think that's why I kind of started to th- I think b- before then, though, I didn't really have term the term or I didn't really understand, I think, yeah when i when i because it is fairly recent i guess maybe the term to me at least so because i always knew that i wasn't really connected to yeah my gender in a weird way but like the the term non-binary when it when i was kind of yeah coming to terms with my gender and also just thinking about when i did take it off i was kind of like okay yeah like this kind of feels more at home. This kind of makes more sense to me right now. It is a really interesting thing about human nature, like how empowering it can be to have a word to describe something because like at very least that's like vindication that, that other people are dealing with that or, or, you know, have historically dealt with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting that there have been so many different terms for it that we probably maybe sometimes could even, maybe to this day, maybe, I don't know, can't even translate it, but it probably means non-binary too. Uh, it's, 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 it's just interesting to think about. We know that it is a concept that exists in like different ways in different cultures, like certainly totally. like, like either, whether it's a third gender or, or absolutely. however it's framed. Um, yeah. But, it, but it's, but it's absolutely not a new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I think when I first uh, learned or, or understood the term, I was like, okay, this yeah, like this, this is, this makes sense. And, and for so long, I think, I guess when I was younger, it was like always tied to like being, you know, a tomboy. And like, I think that also had its own time and place. Cause you know, it was always like, you grow out of being a tomboy, like you, you grow into, you know, becoming more closely connected to your gender and stuff. But some of us just don't grow out of that. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if learning if learning the the word is new, then you're adopting new pronouns. It must be very new. Yeah. I'm. Well, I kind of. I think growing up, I had such a disdain towards like her. I don't know why I didn't like that pronoun for a long time, and then when I got to, and yes, even with she, her, and stuff. I guess I, I I go by it right now and also they, them. Um, but yeah, for a while, I mean, I think I, when I, cause I, in school, I minored, I minored in um, gender and women's studies. So when I learned uh, about, you know, the idea, I had a prof who sort of introduced the class um, in a way that was like letting us know that if we weren't too sure of people's pronouns, or even if we didn't know or like they kind of just addressed everyone by them. And I just thought that was really, really powerful. I just felt like that's nice to sort of not, it's not only the assumption, but like 
just allowing them just to exist without having to put on this whole, put all these like because it's kind of I don't know for me it's when I when I really hated it back then when I hated she her like it was really loaded <laughs> for me and now I kind of let, let go of all of that but yeah it just it felt nice to have that idea of just like having them be genderless in a way by saying them so yeah and I think a lot of people feel that connection when they kind of have the they them pronoun at least what drew you to that minor um I don't know I thinking I I took it as a elective in school and I and I was like you know I I I was a history major so it kind of dealt with the history of just like yeah gender and women and I was like okay this kind of makes sense and then when it we started to sort of yeah so then when I uh took it as an elective I was kind of like this is really intriguing I really enjoy just knowing yeah the history of like sort of uh the women's labor movement and also just like women's rights in general. Um, and also just like, uh, the history of just like, uh, just like, uh, queer studies and such. So that was just like, really, um, it just was up my alley. So I was kind of like, I, I have to take this. It was great. So it sounds like music has been a, a part of your life for, for a long time, but when did you actually start making it? I started making music when I was like, when I was 14 15 i think probably yeah and uh i kind of uh was just writing songs on an acoustic guitar that i kind of bought one day with like a bunch of money i saved from like my first job um and i was yeah really at first it was like a great exercise i just kind of wanted to learn how to play the guitar and because i've always when i was in middle school I played the violin and I really wanted to play the guitar, but we, it was like band or strings. And I was like, well, strings is kind of close to guitar. So I'll become a violinist. And yeah. And so same parts, yeah, same kind of parts, less strings. Um, yeah. And then I was like, and then when I got to play guitar in high school, I was like really excited and I started writing songs, horrible songs, but there were songs nonetheless. <laughs> That's a very common experience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that, that that's probably when I kind of started. Mm-hmm. This is your first record, right? This is my first full length record. I haven't, yeah, I got an EP out or I have an EP out that came out in 2019 called Yummy. That was also interesting because it was sort of me experimenting with, I guess, like uh, just different sounds. I was so used to making music by myself and when I started make when I made yummy it was like the first time I got to go into a studio and sort of flush out songs so in a way that experience kind of prepared you for writing your full-length record in isolation yeah totally yeah um I think what I didn't get to learn though at the time was probably how important the metronome is and how uh that was probably a little because I I think the first time around when I was in the studio, um, my friend kind of dealt with all the drums and stuff like that and also helped me play a lot of my guitar parts. But this time around, I played all the guitar parts and I just because just because I'm not uh, I'm so I wasn't really used to essentially collaborating with people the way I collaborated on this record, because there's a lot of folks who kind of play on this record. So um, it felt very new again. 
but in a good way for sure. What was the nature of, of that collaboration? Cause I mean, you did eventually get it yourself into a studio. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah. So it was, a, so it's a quarantine album, but it was the year that we were all getting our vaccines. So it was 2021. And I, uh, so I had written all of the songs. And so I had all these like skeletons essentially, which was just like every song written out and played out the way it needs to be played. And I went into the studio, recorded all my parts, and then sent them out to friends. And I was like, hey, guys, could you put your musical touch on this? And I have a really great friend. Her name is Eliza Nimi, and she's a great cellist. Um, and she played cello, and she also played bass, and she did backup vocals on this record. Uh, Christian Lee Hudson was awesome. He, you know, uh, he lent his... Uh, great guitar skills and played a beautiful part on my little room. Uh, and, uh, and, and then there were various other people, Aaron Hutchinson, who played horns on a lot of, the, uh, on most of the songs or all the songs on the records or the horn parts on all the songs on the records on the record. <laughs> I'm getting tongue tied. Um, and he, yeah, he did a phenomenal job. Uh, he, he was really great. And it was so surprising because I sent him each track and he like would send back essentially 20 different parts with harmonies and layers. And I was just so overwhelmed, but I was like overwhelmed like a kid at a, um, like a kid at a, a toy store. So it's great. Because your previous work is the right way of putting it, but you know, because I guess your sort of like previous experience was so tied to just like, that kind of singer songwriter like you and a guitar that yeah. when given the opportunity he wanted to, because it is a dense record that, that you wanted to sort of go in, in the opposite direction or at very least take advantage of those resources. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's what it was. It was sort of, I had all these people sort of close to me and I had a really great opportunity to work with a friend, um, Louis Short, who produced the record with his brother, Nick Short. And I just kind of was like, could you do what you do best, which I, I love Louis's music a lot. So it was kind of nice to work with him and have him sort of um, arrange the record arrange the record like the way he would arrange his own music or just kind of have his musical touch on it. And um, yeah, it was nice to like, kind of um, like kind of have, I think Toronto just has like a really good music scene and we have a lot of great artists and great bands. So it was nice to just connect with people and just be like, Hey, like you're a friend of so-and-so is that cool to just, if you want to hop on this song or, and then I would lend, you know, vocals as well, or, you know, do a musical exchange if necessary, but everyone was just so, so great. And yeah, just excited. So it, it was nice to just have them available too. And also maybe the timing helps too, because we were all kind of like, you know, a lot of, you know, things were just opening up. We're all trying to get our vaccinations. L real life isn't really happening, but it's also kind of teeter-tottering. It's about to start kind of. I mean, another thing that Toronto, I mean, another thing that Canada has in general that like certainly we don't have here is like some support structure for art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, we have grants, which is honestly the most helpful very very helpful and incredible thing uh it, it's it's sad and heartbreaking when i'm like 
I wish I could extend this to my American friends. Like I'm always just like, I wish I could put your name on the grant or get you a grant. At least we have good healthcare down here. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, yeah, you guys. We'll get give you. Best. We'll give you guns, and you yeah. can give us uh, grants. It'll be a exactly. like a <laughs> a trade off. Yeah, totally, totally, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think we would probably be good to also give you guys a bit of healthcare as well. Maybe healthcare and some grants. Yeah, and then you'll get them going. Was that helpful in taking that step and really feeling like you could sort of commit yourself to to this life in a way that you might not other otherwise be able to um it's still kind of yeah i guess i've i've tried to it's so crazy because i feel like a lot of my musical journey or sort of career kind of it's all just kind of domino effects in an interesting way or like just kind of trickled I I've tried really hard to not have any expectations because once I do that, I just get into like a mode of like, like I think everyone kind of does. If you have an expectation, you spiral if it doesn't go a certain way. So disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of just was like, I'm just going to make music. And I think for me, what I've started to realize is like, even if I'm not signed or even if I'm not touring or all that kind of stuff, I am inevitably going to still be making music and i think it's always just been a piece of me that it's always just been something that has i've always you know have felt so connected to and it's a essentially like a family member to me that i like have to see every day so yeah like uh i feel like or like maybe music for me is like a caregiver essentially at this point so i i just kind of yeah. And so it's, it's kind of nice that it's worked out in a way where I get to make it now and I get to, I guess, like show it and, and sort of allow people to have, uh, and, and, and yeah, perform and stuff like that. But I think I, yeah, I think I, I'll never let go of the tunes. <laughs> kind of. It gives you, it, it has, it has historically given you a way to express yourself that maybe it sounds like you weren't really comfortable doing just in your personal life. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I've i struggled with vulnerability, so it, it's a way for me to have a... So you're doing um, the most vulnerable thing possible. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm kind of doing what they say. What is it like in... Uh, I think it's like in cognitive behavioral therapy, they kind of make you do like it's like shock therapy or something or like kind of exposure therapy. Immersive, yeah. Yeah, immersive, yeah, I- I- immersive therapy. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm doing with uh songwriting yeah and and you know what it works i know like you've been a singer your entire life and and maybe you don't feel this way but like for me and i think for most people singing in front of people is incredibly vulnerable totally yeah oh for sure i mean it's 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 crazy because it feels like you are yeah for a long time though like i think i felt more i think now i feel like I think I now I feel more uh, okay with singing. For a while, yeah, it, it was kind of hard, and it took me a long time to like sort of even get on stage. I was so much more comfortable just like making music, recording it, and putting on Bandcamp or like putting it on SoundCloud and just having people kind of like listen to it. But I would wouldn't perform, and now I'm like, this feels like so much more better, and like I feel like I'm 
one with the world when I sing, which is nice. I read somewhere, I think in an interview that you did, and, you, and I really liked it. You described it as feeling like a like a runner's high. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely feels like a runner's high, for sure. Like when you're... I've always described it in a way... It's, it's kind of similar to songwriting in a sense. Like when you're writing music, it's kind of like you're... You take your board out into the water and you're like about to surf, but you are coasting and coasting and coasting. And then once you catch a wave, you have to, you know, settle yourself onto your board. And then once you jump and you're up and you're, you're, you're riding the wave, that is like, I guess when you're finishing up the song, but like, that's like, and it's very equivalent also to the runner side, but hi, sorry. But like, it's, yeah, it's so, it's that feeling of, yeah, being so connected and stuff. And I talked to my friend recently, or like while we were recording, we were talking about surfing a lot because I, I sort of got into sur- like just surfing and the yeah, and I and I really like. I guess maybe a lot of it was also just like revisiting Beach Boy records. But in my room seems like a very clear influence. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Brian Wilson. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of yeah, I went. I, I, we were talking a lot about surfing and, and like he was saying how, um, his brother surfs, my, my producer friend, Louis, his brother surfs. And he was like, it feels like he, he, he said that he said it was like, he felt really like one with the earth. And there was this like calmness that he felt. And I was like, that's kind of like how I feel when I finish a song. Like it, I feel like I flushed everything out and I feel really calm and, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see once I do get on a board, because I do really want to surf, uh, if it's kind of a similar feeling. Like, I think that would be interesting. Maybe a different type of or different flavor of calm that will happen. <laughs> well, I mean, keep in mind, only one of the Beach Boys actually surfed. Oh, which one? Dennis. Right. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I got to. Well, he put out one soul. He wrote, he recorded two soul records. Um, right. But he, he put out one called Pacific Ocean Blue, which is oh, yes. a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually listened to that when we were doing Twinkie. It is it is really good. And then I heard some really creepy stuff he did. <laughs> well, he was friends with Charles Manson, so that Yeah. 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 But, but yeah. Pacific Ocean Blue, I think I think I think that like that speaks to what you're talking about in that it really is like a record about about being connected with with the ocean. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. And like, yeah, exact. And that felt really cool to hear. Cause I was like, wow, it's like you are one with nature in a sense. And yeah, I could, I don't know. It, I'm really, really excited to sort of start delving into that once I have time. I assume you played your record for your parents. Yeah, I did. Uh, and they really loved it actually. So it's, it, it has been kind of, uh, great. It's been really nice. It's, kind of like it's been healing for sure in a way it's edifying. That, yeah absolutely and uh it's it did a lot for my inner child for sure and uh i i think like now they're kind of um excited for me to sort of indelve myself or for my uh, endeavors in music i think they're kind of like we're excited for you and like my mom sometimes will come up to me and is like I have a song idea. Why don't you write about this? And it's, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. And it's like, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's such a weird, it's interesting to be on the 
opposite end of it all, kind of on the other side of it. There's something about putting out a record, like an LP specifically, that's that feels real, maybe in a way that it didn't feel real prior to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it feels, especially because it's like a full, yeah, EP, a full LP, and it, it's it's sort of, yeah, encapsulates a time where I really felt lost. And now I'm, you know, looking back at that person and going, it's, it's, you know, it gets better, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Again, there's no it's, resolution. It gets better in some ways. It gets worse in other ways. Yeah. But you're willing to look at who you were before and when that record was recorded and you're willing to sort of like forgive yourself for some of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of feel like, yeah, I feel really honored to have let this person exist sonically. I feel like that, that feels really good. And to have, yeah, just archived that. Cause I guess, yeah, art in general and music in general, sort of just an archive of like feelings, emotions, or times or stories and stuff, which um, it feels nice. In a way, I, I kind of feel like I'm an archivalist. Is that the word? Archivist? Archivist? Archivist. Okay. Yeah. Maybe so. that's the term. Yeah. I think music. Yeah. I think that's kind of, yeah, where I feel connect, where I feel uh, safe with right now, I think. Mm-hmm. 